0: The views expressed on Geeks and Beats are those of the participants alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of their employers.
1: Are we going to have to talk about the Star Wars trailer? Oh, we're going
2: to talk about more than just the Star Wars trailer. Believe you me. Okay, I'll save my um, critique until then. (laughs) (laughs) So, how was the big Christmas party?
1: It was fine. It was your typical corporate Workplace get together with uh, a couple of drink tickets and a healthy buffet of finger food. There's always that one guy who uh, goes a little too far. Yeah, you know what? I haven't been at one of those parties for a very long time. There used to be a time back in the uh, the old days of radio when there was always one guy or two guys that would do something you know hugely inappropriate and career limiting. But with uh, with HR rules, with political correctness, with uh, I think an evolved human being. Uh, we don't see that sort of stuff as much anymore. And certainly, I haven't seen it for years.
2: Well, j- just you wait until we have our Christmas party, pal,
1: with all 14 <sighs> we, staff members. I, I, I see, The only staff member that I've met is you. <laughs> and and I, I know we have staff because I look at the website and I see all these stories being generated. So somebody must be doing it. And I know that they're not being paid. And I'm just worried that, uh, you know, we're going to get charged with human trafficking or something. Jeez. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go.
0: From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats Magazine, now with 1.2 billion subscribers on iTunes and Geocities, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Haynesworth, featuring musical guest Sting.
1: Space the final frontier. We look at the Star Wars trailer and argue against letting J.J. Abrams manage the Star Trek franchise as well. The Geeks and
2: Beats definitive holiday gift guide for geeks is here and if you've got five grand you might be able to create
1: your own John Lennon clone. Headphones. They're indestructible headphones for more than just your terrible two-year-old. We're going to put them to the test.
2: Plus, on this week's Ask Alan Anything, the real reason why Taylor Swift is broken up with Spotify and why we might call Child Protective Services on you for letting your kid listen to the big show. And now, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. Okay, so are you ready for the big Star Wars, Star Trek battle here? Because clearly the, the battle lines have been drawn between you and me.
1: Well, they have. Uh, The unfortunate thing is that J.J. Abrams is in charge of both. Yes! So, I think that there's just a weird conflict of interest. I don't think one person should be in charge of both Star Wars and Star Trek. Yeah, it's kind of like
2: how you don't want the president and the vice president in the same room at the same time.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's just something, you know, could go terribly, terribly wrong and ruin it for everybody on both sides of the fence. Well, fortunately, that hasn't been the case this new trailer reveals a whole bunch of little
2: things about uh, the new uh, Star Trek. Ooh, I almost said Star Trek. Oh, dear. Uh, Yeah, the new Star Wars. Uh, Not the least of which is that when the trailer came out, it was immediately followed up with someone who's, who who uh, did a version if George
1: Lucas had done the trailer, <laughs> and it was just jam packed full of crap. It, gone, <laughs> it would have gone. He would have gone back and 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 uh, recut it a whole bunch of times. Exactly. Okay, so let's let's dissect uh, dissect it a little bit. Okay, first of all, we have a black stormtrooper.
2: Apparently, there are at least two black guys in the galaxy far, far away. Okay. The other one being, of course, Lando Calrissian. Right. Now, I'm not including Samuel L. Jackson, because as far as I'm concerned, the first three prequel films didn't
1: exist. No, no, no. Those are horrible movies. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? So we're, we're moving to episode seven with this one. Okay, so we got, we got the black dude as the uh, stormtrooper, which, by the way, I don't know if you've been looking online... Uh, There seems to be a lot of big debate about, oh, my God, it's a black stormtrooper. Like, come on, people. Really? Yeah. John Boyega actually uh, posted online
2: uh, saying in response to the racist criticism that the trailer has gotten, saying, get used to it. Basically, the galaxy has more than a couple of black guys in it. Uh, You would think.
1: Now, uh, we had no idea what any stormtroopers look like they could have been green for all we knew because we didn't nobody ever took off their helmet
2: well see this is this is revealing your lack of star wars familiarity mr star trek boy uh, because the original thing with the stormtroopers is they were cloned right were they all cloned from the same source all from the same source that, that that's the origin of boba fett his son was cloned And hence the Clone Wars. But then what happened is they realized that the clones didn't
1: work out very well. And so I guess they put regular guys back in the suits. Maybe they did. Maybe there was a mutation among the clones. Uh Maybe there was lots of things. I tell you, the guy that we see in the trailer, he's the new Luke. Because Luke has moved on to Ben Kenobi status. So we need a new guy, young Vero guy on the grant, And I swear to God, it's going to be the Black Stormtrooper. Yeah, okay. All right. You know what? I, I'll buy that because we don't know anything about it. No. We
2: tweeted this week, photos, the dark side of Star Wars fans emerges after the teaser trailer. Uh, because, well, first of all, all of the pedantic nonsense came out, including some continuity errors that were reported. The new uh, uh, sand speeder, as it were, uh, apparently one shot shows that uh, the female character has got a gun strapped to the side of it but then when they pull away to the wide shot it's not there somebody else pointed out that the new one looks like a fudgesicle well it kind of does you know what it really kind of does too yeah yeah and then that ridiculous new lightsaber did you see
1: that the dark side Explain the lightsaber one to me. I I couldn't really understand it. What's the problem with it?
2: The hilt now has beams that go out to the left and to the right, not just up. Yeah. Uh, and the there isn't a solid beam of light. It seems to be rather flickery as though it's more flame-like. And people are saying, hey, wait a minute. That's not the way lightsabers are supposed to operate. Oh. <laughs> yes. Was, they got the science of the lightsaber wrong. When I was a kid at summer camp, they told us that they had a lightsaber in the uh, CIT uh, ca- uh, ca- section, the, the counselor in training tent. Uh-huh. And we were all like, oh, you're kidding me. We'll, we'll show it to you. We've we'll got to wait till nightfall. And what they did was they dismissed dismantled one of the uh, fluorescent light bulbs from the cabin that the CITs and the counselors stayed in, took us to the hydro cut, which is a giant swath of land cleared of trees and brush so that they could mount the power poles. Oh, and the RF radiation, the RF radiation lit it up? Exactly. You hold one of these Uh. things up toward, and you don't need to be anywhere even near these high tension power lines. You just get close enough to it. And it's enough electricity in the air to light up the tube. Oh, God. Okay. So you that suckered. You feel bad for all those people living underneath them. I feel bad for you being sent to a camp like that. Oh, best and worst thing that ever happened to me. Kiss my first girl at
1: camp. Girl? Yes. Let's go back to the trailer. Um, I like the new whatever that little robot thing is uh, on the soccer ball. Of course you would, Mr. Star Trek nerd. <laughs>
2: It looks like a, a little droid on top of a, a soccer ball. Well, what a yeah. Everyone thought so. I, I thought I thought that was kind of cool. I'm thinking that if this is the jar jar binks of this episode, I'm okay with
1: that. Yeah. No, it's 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 no less cute or more cute than an R2D2. Uh,
2: it's a little cute C we, of course, you got to deal with the physics of how is this thing maintaining its rotation on the ball. We don't really know. Granted, we're only seeing it from the side. I'll tell you, that's going to be a hot new toy in November 20, uh, 2015. All right. You watch. Yep. Uh, the New Republic, which is, of course, what the rebels are, are fighting for, got a bit of a facelift as well. They've got new military uniforms, and the lack of stars around the rebellion emblem, according to HitFlix.com, is slightly concerning. Jeez, oh, <laughs> Because the stars, that's what's signified as an icon of the New Republic. Either there wasn't enough room, or maybe... The Rebellion has won to the point where the New Republic has gotten a foothold
1: in the extended universe. Wow, we are really parsing this, aren't we? Are we going to talk about the new blue cheat line on the X-Wing fighters that were flying just above water level? That's next. Oh, okay. That I do have a problem with. What? Flying above water level or the uh, the blue
2: line? The fact that they're blue lines. Why? Because they're supposed to be orange. <laughs> crying out loud. But you know, I, I give J.J. Abrams this. Give Mr. Star Trek this. He actually built the ships that you were seeing in that trailer. Yes, he did. Now, um, can I bring up something about the Millennium Falcon? Uh, other than the fact that it can make the uh, Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs? No, it has a new satellite dish. It does. And a good one, too, because when I was a kid, I had that Kenner Millennium Falcon. And the very first thing I lost was the satellite dish. It was round, right? It was. Now it's rectangular. Well, yeah, it is. Brought to you by Logitech. It looks like a webcam now.
1: It does, actually. You're right.
2: Yeah. But at least the TIE fighters still shoot green. Mm Mm-hmm. Which apparently, and this was new to me, the blaster color is determined by the quality of the crystals or gas ionized to create the particle beam. Of course. Absolutely. Again, the
1: science of the TIE fighter laser. Okay. Yeah, we have to be true to that. Let's Wh- be sure. What have you got for me there, Star Trek nerd? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's my Star Trek contribution. For the last five years, a theater company in Chicago has been staging A Christmas Carol, the Dickens' Favorite, but in the original Klingon.
0: <laughs>
2: this doesn't make any sense to me. Why on earth would Scrooge be afraid of the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future when Klingons are supposed to be afraid of
1: nothing, particularly death? Uh, well, they're not afraid of death, but they're certainly afraid of ghosts. And and because you know, these are these are badass Klingon ghosts. And uh, they're being, you know, when Klingons are supposed to die with honor and the ghost is coming back to to basically say, look, dude, you're not going to die with honor. At least my universe has got grit. <laughs> what do you mean? What?
2: Grit? Go, go to geeksandbeats.com or on our Twitter feed. Fire us off a tweet. Star Wars or Star Trek? Go. <laughs> Okay,
1: yes, and if you know what's good for you, you'll say Star Trek. And Merry Christmas. How
2: do you say that in Klingon?
1: I I, I don't know. But Aquaman, you cannot marry a woman without gills. You're from two different worlds.
0: Oh, I've wasted my life. One of the craptastic mugs of the world's most popular podcast and support the show. You too can use the power of science to hold liquids, both hot or cold. Visit geeksandbeats.com today. You're listening to Geeks and Beats on iTunes, Stitcher, and the Bell Media Radio Network.
2: So with these, all these people who are working on geeksandbeats.com, I thought, instead of putting together my own Christmas wish list and sending it off to the family, I'd just get these guys to do it for me. Yeah. And we came up with the Geeks and Beats Definitive Geek Gift Guide. Yeah, this is actually, I think, a brilliant—I believe it was my idea. No, 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 no. This, this was not—this was Amber Healy's idea. Was it?
1: Yes. Oh. Nice okay. try, well, pal. Oh okay well we're we're slowly building this thing why does a star wars thing have to be the first item on the list
2: because matthew smith is a kindred spirit to oh, the co-host God. of the world's most popular podcast he's fired oh yes Exactly. Give give him his vacation pay and get him out of here. (laughs) That's right. This is a Darth Vader toaster, and he's rated it uh, five hip ampersand logos out of five. Of course He he does. points out that the toaster imprints Star Wars on either side of a slice of bread and browns the crust to frame both sides, and it gives you either Star Wars or the actual Darth Vader helmet. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's only 50 bucks from Hammer Schlemmer Hammerker Schlemmer what is that Hammerker Schlemmer well you can buy that in an airport then someplace exactly buy it on your way
1: home tell your family that you thought about I it I like the original Beatles microphone I mean that this, this, this ribbon microphone that, that would have been used at Abbey Road Studios that, that's really cool yeah, you
2: got $2,500 as a starting bid? It's not a bad deal. Oh, uh, oh I see. The, no, they use these at the Cavern Club in Liverpool. Exactly. Oh, $2,500 for, you know. Well, that's the starting bid because the estimated value is about five grand. Yeah, yeah, probably is. Yeah. But still, I mean, it's got some Beatles DNA in it. Actu- well, it quite possibly has actual Beatles DNA in it. Maybe there's a little spittle there from Lennon or McCartney. Sure, you could use. <laughs> Speaking of clones. Yes. These are uh, three Reslo ribbon mics. And if you know anything about microphones, you know that a ribbon microphone is very delicate. Yes. But gives you a remarkable warm sound. That's what I have right here. That's what you have right there. Yes, it is. Fabulous.
1: So are are you going to bid? It's uh, beyond my pay grade, I'm afraid. I would love
2: to. Sure beats fighting over a crummy microwave at Walmart on... Uh, Black Friday.
1: Yeah, it, it certainly does. Man, that would be a really cool thing to have on the mantle. Okay. Actually, you know what? I would probably, because I do have this studio, I would probably set it up in the studio and see what it sounded like.
2: Now, we also have on the list, Vanessa Azoli's got the Yamaha THR amp, Shane Alexander, GNB writer, has posted the Foo Fighters ginger metal sweatshirt, Amber Healy's major scale wine glasses, and the NASA sleep promoting light bulb. Hmm. Which one do you want to see under the Christmas tree? Um, I probably the sleep promoting light bulb. I'm always looking for something that gets me a good night's sleep. Apparently, the uh, patented filter reduces the blue light by fifty percent to accommodate a better night's sleep. Wait, will you leave the light on? I suppose you would leave the light bulb on after you fall asleep. Apparently, it encourages the production of melatonin, which is the hormone that promotes sleep. Okay. So you would, in fact, leave it on. Again, Hamilcar Schlemmer, sixty it- bucks. I have a feeling Matt's uh, got some sort of deal with these oh, I, guys. I think so, too. I got my hedonics catalog, so I should look and see if they have any of that in there. Uh, the one that appeals to me, not because I drink wine, because I, I don't, uh, is uh, Amber Healy's Major Scale Wine Glasses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's got little etched marks to indicate the key. And if you fill the wine glass up to that level, and then, of course, run your wetted finger across the rim, it makes that particular note's sound. So you would need uh, eight, uh, you know, 12 of them to you know have a full scale. Or you could probably have six and get away with playing a, a simple
1: holiday song. Uh, well, with six, you could play Beatles' Ooblady Ooblada, that's a major. That's their major key. Uh, major key song, exactly. And because
2: it's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, uh, different notes on it, you and it's got the the, the sharps on there as well. You could you, you could play some pretty good rock and roll. Although she suggests that uh, a set of two glasses will allow wine lovers to play holiday
1: favorites. Now I wonder if the varietal matters. The what? If you have, for example, a Bordeaux blend, yes, in one, and then let's say a Riesling in another. Would that affect the tonality? You were such a wine snob. I am. I'm wondering because you know even if we go to uh, the Bordeaux region and we have the uh, left and right banks, uh, you know you have a, a Merlot, 100 Merlot, and then lower down you would have a Bordeaux blend. Uh, specific gravity would be different, so that might result in a different note. Interesting. I may have to experiment. Vanessa Azoli's Yamaha THR amp, she doesn't
2: give us a thumbs up, thumbs down rating on it the way the others do, which makes me question whether or not she scanned herself a free one courtesy of Yamaha.com. But for 330 bucks, she says you're locked in a college dorm room and you want to practice your guitar, the Yamaha THR is the perfect companion. I don't know a damn thing about amps. What do I need to know about amps?
1: Um, are they loud enough? If you can see, yeah, the numbers all go to... Eleven, look, right across the board. Oh. eleven, oh, 11, and, most of 11 and then... Amps more... go up to ten. Exactly. Does that mean it's louder? Is it any louder? Well, it's one louder, isn't it? It's not ten. You see, most, most blokes, you know, be playing at ten. You're on ten here, all the way up, all the way up, yeah. all the way up. You're on ten on your guitar. Where mm. can you go from there? Where? I don't know. Nowhere, exactly. What we do is, if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Put it up to 11. 11, exactly. One louder. Why don't you just make 10 louder, and make 10 be the top number, and make that a little louder? These go to 11. Yeah, does does it go up to 11? What kind of uh, signal processing is on board? Is there any signal processing on board an amp? Well, yeah, there would be, but there gain and a few other things. This one seems to have an awful lot of knobs on the top, and they're not labeled because well, we can't see them.
2: It also includes USB, so you can plug the thing into your computer, and you can use Cubase
1: to record. That's it. Actually, that is a really good college dorm thing. Yeah. Or if you live in a really small apartment and you need. Um, a, a little bit of amplification and good.
2: We have a tendency to talk about, a lot about uh, Foo Fighters and Dave Grohl and uh, they've got a metal sweatshirt that Shane Alexander points out for 30 bucks. Oh, we've got the link on the Geeks and Beats website
1: right now. Yeah, it's, uh, they've actually got several of them. I think they're four different uh, designs and for 30 bucks Canadian, uh, they're they're deliberately ugly uh, Christmas sweaters. How can any Christmas sweater not be ugly, really? Well, this is true, so it's a bit of redundancy redundant saying that it is. But uh, anyway, for 30 bucks, it's a pretty pretty cool little uh, Foo Fighters gift.
2: Go to GeeksandBeats.com. We're constantly updating this as we get closer and closer to the big day.
0: Hooked up to the Twitter machine? Us too. Go to GeeksandBeats.com slash contact and click the follow button. Or search for us on Twitter. You'll make us feel loved. Get the links to the stories we're talking about and uncover the secrets of the universe.
2: Time now for a Geeks and Beats update.
0: London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB news update.
1: we have a new co-producer, age seven. Uh, Isn't this like Facebook and there's like a minimum age or something? You have to be this tall to be a... Nora Bolstridge age seven,
2: has made the $25 donation through her father, Chris. Uh, He doesn't want the credit. He wants to make it out to Nora. Nora apparently just loves the show. He says he's been listening to old episodes, and whenever she gets into the car, she always asks him to play Geeks and Beats, and he's actually accidentally called it Beats and Geeks, and she always corrects him.
1: I like this
2: kid. Nora, you're a sweetheart. I'm wondering about Dad, though. Is this really an age-appropriate podcast for a seven-year-old?
1: I think it's. this is a very evolved seven-year-old. Uh, we talk a lot about and and <laughs> Well, no.
2: I don't know that it's appropriate that uh, Chris permit his child to watch or listen to the show. We need all the listeners we can get.
1: What'd you say? Have you seen the download statistics? We need more. Oh, okay. Good point. So, let's shh, move on. Nora, welcome to the big show. We're very happy to have you as a listener. And... Please tell all your friends to listen as well. Get Mommy and Daddy to download podcasts for their children. And tell them to put child
2: services on speed dial. (laughs) We got a Geeks and Beats update uh, from Ozzy Hell. This is the woman that... uh... Helen Mediosis uh, said that uh, when we talked to her, she only had 70 signatures at iPetitions.com to ignite Ozzy Osborne. In addition to three physical letters she needed from friends of Ozzy himself, himself uh, to be presented uh, to Buckingham Palace. She's presented that, but she's continuing with Ipetitions.com. She said she had 70 petitions at the time. Now she has 115 physical signatures. Oh, so that's that's good. How many does she really need? Well, as she told us, she's basically already filed the paperwork. Anything beyond this is gravy. But as I'm sure
1: Ozzie knows, everyone loves gravy. (laughs) That's true. Okay, well, that's good. That's good. Uh, we are fully behind the uh, the campaign to have uh, a Sir Ozzy. I think we need one. It just occurred to me,
2: we didn't mention that if you donate the $25 to become a Geeks and Beats co-producer, as Nora has done, and again, I certainly hope Chris has actually paid for uh, the co-producer credit instead of Nora, because it'd be a terrible waste of a kid's allowance. Yeah, that's true. They will get a cover, the latest cover, their cover of the, uh, the album art of this week's show, and we will email it to them. They can print it off, frame it, hang it in their parents' basement. Or Nora might want to put it in her room, although I don't know why. <laughs> okay. You found some headphones that might actually be great for a
1: seven-year-old. Uh, yes, as a matter of fact, these are not for seven-year-olds. And they're for four-year-olds with a bad temper? There, there's a company that produces something called head Headphones. F-O-A-M-S? F-O-A-M-S? Uh, F-O-A-M-S, yes. And uh, they marketed them for, for children um, because they're nearly indestructible. And they've decided to make a, a line of them for, for adults as well. So I wrote about this, and I wrote about the new adult ones, and I said that, listen, if they're truly indestructible, what you need to do is send them to a radio station because radio stations really really abuse their headphones to the point where the jocks have their own headphones exactly
2: because you don't want to be putting somebody else's headphones on
1: Exactly. And, and even if you take care of them, you use them every day, and you're taking them on, take, or putting them on, taking them off, putting them on, taking them off. And they wear after a while. I mean, the Sony MDX series are the ones that seem to work well for me. They last the longest. But there have been some really good headphones that I've had. There was a pair of Fostex headphones that were just so sweet. But they 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 crapped out on me because the, uh, the various joints and swivels and everything just, just broke, and there was no way to fix them. So uh, I said, send me some headphones. Uh, we'll try them out in a real life radio situation Mm -hmm. and we'll get back to you on whether they're actually, uh, whether they're truly indestructible and I don't know I haven't got them yet
2: Well, they look like really neat headphones and to your point they were originally intended for a four-year-old with a bad temper but a radio station environment just is brutal for headphones oh yes but any environments for any length of time is brutal as well and these look like they might as well have been made by
1: nerf you've got you know day glow green purple and black well, that's fine. Have you seen Beats headphones? Have you seen the new <laughs> Bose headphones? They're all different colors. They're all pretty ridiculous. Well, I mean, I like my headphones in basic black. But these, you know, if if they sound good and if they can... See, my wife is absolutely She's terrible with headphones. She does not take care of them at all. No, no, no. Your wife doesn't
2: take care of anything technology-oriented. Oh, absolutely no. zero respect. Your wife and my wife, oh. I was going to say, ought to get together, but they frequently do anyway. Yeah, And and talk about this. Geeks and Beats writer Patrick Charles has found another pair of, of headphones. But these are actually noise-canceling earplugs that will still allow your smartphone notifications to make it through.
1: Yeah, I saw these. I think I, re- I wrote about them on my website as well. Um, they look kind of cool because they allow you to... They, well, you put them in your ears when you go to sleep, but... You pair them with your smartphone so that if a text message comes in or if the phone rings or if the alarm goes off, only you hear them. It's Hush
2: Wearables. It's a Kickstarter project. They're still working on it right now. Uh, The campaign's got a goal of $100,000. They've already tripled that.
1: Really? So there's
2: clearly a need for something like this.
1: Well, I can understand why a lot of people sleep with their phones. And if you... See, I have people texting me at all hours of the day and night, and it drives my wife crazy. So she would love if I wore these headphones so that only I would hear the text messages come in. Works between 30 to 40 decibels for up to
2: 10 hours straight, and the creators claim the noise reduction of up to 70 decibels as well. So great for an airplane or, or... A spouse who snores?
1: I was about to say that. Or in our case, uh, bull terriers that snore.
2: <laughs> yes, you guys are your bull terriers.
1: Those guys got terrible sinus passages. They really do snort.
2: The early backers get the earplugs in May of next year for $115. And the public at large, if you haven't gotten in on the Kickstarter program already, will be able to pick them up in June for about 150 bucks.
1: Okay, not a bad deal. I'd have to think about that.
2: Time now for Ask Alan Anything. All right, let's go.
1: Got a question about
0: music, love, that suspicious rash? Ask Alan anything. Call 323-319-NERD.
1: Hi, this is Nadine in Branton. So last week, Michael mentioned that click-throughs don't get paid unless that you really click-through. You don't skip ads on YouTube. And that Taylor Swift had left songs because she was getting paid pennies. So I'm just wondering, how many click-throughs does Taylor Swift need to become a millionaire on YouTube with advertising dollars? And how many click-throughs would she have needed with Songzoo versus any other popular medium that's out there to become a millionaire? Thanks. Bye for now. Love the big show. Uh, You could give her a billion and she would not stay on streaming music. Why is that? Because the whole idea is that she doesn't want to give her music away for free. And with the way the fee structure is uh, set up on, on on Spotify, there is nothing that would have kept her there. Has she not heard of radio? Yes, I understand. I mean the whole we can, we can get into the, the whole Taylor Swift versus Spotify thing. It's just a circular argument. It doesn't really matter. She is able and her her people at uh, Big Machine are able to to flex their muscles because she's a, a powerful commercial entity. And uh, if, if, if that's what she wishes to do, if she wishes to maximize margins on her music sales by only selling physical product, go right ahead. But somebody should really talk to YouTube and say, um, isn't Taylor's album available in a bunch of different streams for free as it is? Do artists get paid on a per-click basis, much like an advertisement? There are two buckets. There's the bucket that... Um, Involves the free streams, like say Spotify has a free level and that's supported by advertising You get paid less as an artist if somebody listens to you on the free stream because there's a whole You know what they do is they they it's it's much like the way the collectives work is that They collect all the money from all the artists that are listened to on the free stream And then that's apportioned out by the number of streams to each artist If it's it's the premium stream, the one that you actually have to subscribe to, well, the artist gets more. And the whole thing about Taylor Swift was she didn't want her music to be heard on the ad supported the free streaming level. She only wanted to be a part of the premium streaming level, which paid more. So... uh, Spotify wouldn't agree to that, so she pulled all the music. So like everything else, she broke up with them. And she can write a song about them, probably.
2: If you've got a question for Ask Alan, anything, call 323-319-NERD.
0: Cut the cord and go to geeksandbeats.com anytime. You'll get the latest episode and links to the stories the boys are talking about. Geeksandbeats.com. Also available on 8-track and cassette.
2: Big data and music it's just as you feared. With the
0: same, I'm like you, you're like me. We're all broken on my knee.
2: Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of the team. Everything is awesome
1: when we live in our dream. Yeah, you know, we we've talked about this on a couple of occasions where we've wondered with the rise of algorithms and the skip button and all these other things that are affecting human behavior when it comes to our attention spans and our willingness to listen to a song for any length of time, Uh, things are changing in terms of, um, see, all this data is being collected. And it's going back to songwriters and record labels and music publishers. And they're using this data to try and figure out how to hook people into listening to songs that they don't know. And if you, uh, PBS has a very good thing, and I'll post a link to it on the show notes, uh, how the music industry is gathering all of this information and then using this data to craft as much of a sure thing hit single as they possibly can. So what we're seeing is that people are gravitating to a sound, a style that's very homogeneous. So you think that a lot of songs sound the same? Well, they do, and they sound the same on purpose because the industry is using this data uh, to write songs that they know fit the pattern. In the Lego movie, the Everything
2: is Awesome song, You've heard this, right? hmm Yeah. Uh, the premise is, is that Big Business has concluded that this is the best song to get you to work and to keep working. Therefore, it is the only song in Legoland that they play. And everyone thinks it's the best song ever.
1: We are quickly moving towards that reality.
2: This is sort of the next generation, though. It's been years that we've tried to compile this kind of data and try to figure it all out. And as we talked about last week, half of people who hear a new song will skip it within 30 seconds Mm -hmm. because it doesn't appeal to them. You think
1: technology is going to change that? No, it'll simply speed it up. I think that we will move to skipping a song in less than five seconds. Because our attention spans
2: are diminished or because we're now accustomed to big data providing us with the music we
1: really want to hear? Combination of both, I think. Ah, See, I began thinking about this a number of years ago when I heard about a software program called Hit Song Science in which they fed all kinds of attributes of songs from the top 40 from 1955 forward, analyzing them for commonalities. And then what you can do is take a brand new song, run it through the algorithm, and it will compare that song to all the... The metrics generated by all those other hit songs, and then it will tell you whether the song has an opportunity to have a hit, be, to be a hit or not, based on its uh, the pattern recognitions. And uh, you know, record labels know that the public is notoriously fickle and very hard to convince to like something new. So they've been using this software to try and refine certain songs by certain artists so they have a better chance of having a hit. And that was just one thing. Now we're gathering all this data, you know, from companies like Shazam and the Echo Nest and so on. And, you know, we're just going to end up with more and more songs that sound exactly the same. All because
2: we've concluded that the best tempo is a certain beats per minute, and that at X number of seconds into the song, you've got to have a chorus or a a hook of some sort, and it needs to
1: have a a bass guitar here and a keyboard there. Yep, exactly. And there are guys, especially uh, Dr. Luke and Max Martin out of Sweden, uh, they know how all this stuff works. They know what turns people's cranks. On a, from especially from a pop si- uh, from a, um, uh, a pop music point of view, and uh, this data is just helping turn more and more people into Doctor Luke's and Max Martin's.
2: 1972, where the Scottish band
1: Stone the Crows were playing, yeah. <laughs> and Les Harvey gets electrocuted. Yeah, this is really sad. He uh, touched the microphone, and uh, it was poorly grounded, and he got he got zapped. Um, there was a recent situation. Actually, a couple of recent situations. There was a band called Emure, uh, who was playing in uh, Moscow, I think, just outside of Russia. And again, a badly uh, grounded microphone or a poorly grounded mic just, just zapped him. Um, I have another one of a guy who, uh, a Calypso singer, and he was singing in uh, Jamaica? No, it was in Brazil. And uh, I posted the video of him touching a piece of metal stage uh, um, scaffolding, and you actually see a puff
2: of smoke. The latest is Augustin Briolini, the leader of an Argentine band
1: called the Krebs. Yeah, he was performing at a city outside of Buenos Aires the other week, and uh, he approached the mic during the first song, uh, during I think it was during uh, sound check, and he was he was electrocuted. He, he died of the scene. How is this even possible? I I understand. It's that one bad
2: resistor. Boom, you're gone. Really, it's not a, a function of every outlet has three
1: prongs instead of two. Okay, so the less Harvey thing happened in Britain, so that would have been a 220-volt or 240-volt circuit. The guy in Brazil, that wouldn't be a very solid infrastructure. No, that would be 110. That would be 110, but it certainly, would it be in Brazil? Absolutely. Are you sure? Pretty much everywhere in
2: the world uses 110 versus Europe, which uses 220. Okay, hang on just a second, Brazil, voltage. All right. Okay. One moment, please. (laughs) it is 110. Thank you. Talking to a renovation nerd. Well, actually, wait a second, 110
1: or 220? Well, 220 would be for your stove, your oven. Oh, right. Okay. Does Oh, wait a second. The tro- okay, wait a second. The shocking truth about electricity in Brazil. 220 volt or 110 volt? Uh, and the answer is during a recent uh, Oh, it depends where you are in the in the country. You could be 220 volt outside the major cities, or 110 inside uh, places like Rio and Sao Paulo. So the problem is that uh, you could have a well, you could obviously have an issue. Meantime, OK Go
2: is releasing a new album using DNA. Yes. Deoxyribonucleic acid. I think this is this is brilliant. Wow, l- l- like releasing an album on cassette or eight-track wasn't <laughs> hipster enough. I, I know.
1: So they they found this this guy. Uh, I think it's a guy Sri Kosuri. Is the person's name it's a ucla biochemist yeah he found a way to take well first of all the music was encoded into an mp3 so you have zeros and ones
2: (laughs) are we going to get into a compression conversation is your dna compressed yes as a matter of
1: fact because okay the mp3 zeros and ones binary code right yeah Uh, it was then translated into genetic code using the a g t and c bases which are the building blocks of DNA? They used something called uh, an electrophoresis machine, and uh, so they 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 again encoded, they they translated, uh, converted the MP3 into the AGTC bases, and then uh, put little drops of this into uh, vials of water. So, of um, one of these vials could actually hold about 100,000 records. So one of these drops of water could actually hold 100,000 copies of the album. So you have a test tube of that, and you sell that test tube, Uh, you're selling millions upon millions upon millions of copies of that album, which makes U2's thing with Apple look a little sick, doesn't it? I think that's
2: brilliant. And it puts BitTorrent right out of business if all you need to do is pass along a drop of water and Uh, thousands upon thousands of copies
1: of an album are copied. Now, here's my question. How do you play it? (laughs) What's the answer? I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, all they wanted to do was translate music into the DNA bases. They did that. And if you want to play it back, well, best of luck to you. I think, you know, that's, you know, I really like OK Go. They're really smart guys. They're really nice guys. I have met them on a number number of occasions. And it's, they're always looking for something cool and nerdy to do with their music. And this pretty much, I mean, this is going to go, you'd have to go a long way to beat this one. Yeah,
2: but you know what they haven't thought of? Mm. Mutations. Oh, here we are talking about mutants again, clones, oh! See? You can copy the music, but it might have a few errors in the copy process. The human mutation rate, according to Wikipedia, is higher in the male germline, that's the sperm, than the female egg cell. The estimates of the exact rate have varied by an order of magnitude or more. So when it comes down to it, in general, the mutation rate is roughly 0.003 mutations per genome per generation. So I've crunched some numbers here. At 0.003, there are four members of the band, they're all men. If you copied the album a thousand times, you'd be at risk of one mutation.
1: Well, I mean, that's why you have error correction with CDs and MP3 players. I wonder. Yeah, but you've seen what happens. You don't
2: have error correction with DNA. Think about half the people you see on public transit today.
1: Okay, that's a good point.
0: Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter, Facebook, and get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.